So let us begin as we look into enemies to defeat at this granular level. We have two basic enemies we have to overcome. Before we get into some of the others, and in the next few weeks, we'll, we'll address some real practical enemies that we face. Enemies to our soul, for example, like the enemy of strife. Which one of us in here do encounter some level of strife? with your home, with your job, with your office, with businesses, with people you pay bills to. There's a strife level that seems to be one of the main components of the devil's attack on us. So they, that will become enemies that we need to defeat. But I'm not dealing with that today. Today I'm dealing with the two basic guys that we have to kind of uh, uh, run away from, ourselves and the devil. And so... My primary scripture for today is 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8. Now, I'm going to throw a lot of scripture at you today, and I'm going to go with it slow. I wouldn't read it all. I will say it so you can write it down and you can read it at your own leisure in order to supplement what I spoke about today. So know that I'll give you stuff. I'll probably just highlight the main the main theme inside the scripture. For example, if this scripture is talking about Satan, I'll quote that verse and I'll tell you what the high point in that sermon. I wouldn't read it all. All right? Fair notice. So don't ask me to read it. I'm trying to give it to you, give you the high point and move on. So today we took looking at 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. One of the enemies to defeat. Apart from yourself, it's the devil. And 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8 talks about our adversary, the devil. He is going about like a roaring lion seeking to devour whom he may. He is our adversary. He is that constant opposition to our lives. So we'll touch on several aspects of his purpose, his function, what he's trying to do, what you shouldn't do, what he cannot do, what he could do. So we'll break it down, okay? Just bear with me and we'll get through this today. So I'm gonna ask you a question. Do you know where you live? Most of you, Victorville, hmm? yeah. safe enough? Some Hesperia, some Thousand Oaks, uh, not Thousand Oaks, what the? No, that other city right down there. Oak Hill, that one. Yeah, it's an oak in there somewhere. <laughs> some kind of oak. oak, oak hills. Yeah. All right. Well, that—that's where you say you live. No, that's where your body resides. You live in the kingdom. You're a kingdom person. Your body resides in Victorville and Oak Hills and. Hesperia and wherever else, Apple Valley, you might find yourself. That's where your body kind of rests each night. Your spirit and your soul live at a different address. They live in the kingdom of God. When we became Christians, uh, uh, the, the very kingdom of God, or by, by the very nature of the kingdom of God, is the Christian life. It's the Christian experience. So when you talk about having the Christian experience, you're talking about kingdom life. And that's where you reside. If you've been born again, Christ the King is in your life. You've moved into the kingdom of God. You've moved from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, which is the kingdom of God. So once you've been born again, and I'm going to take it as, as, as rule and law here this morning, we're all born again people, right? 
Can I get a witness? We're all born again. If not, I'll stop and take care of it right now. <laughs> all right. Here's what Colossians chapter 1 verses 13 and 14 says. Who had delivered us from the power of darkness and had translated us into the kingdom of his dear son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. He has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. We've been translated into the kingdom of God. I am glad to be in the kingdom. Now that I am there, <laughs> there's nothing more important to me than seeking the kingdom. And for that, we could look at Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33. What he says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. And yet, while we are in the kingdom, we're in a constant battle. So we'll spend some time looking at that battle this morning. We're in the kingdom. We're supposed to seek the kingdom, his righteousness, all the blessings that can be added to us. And yet, in that state, we find ourselves in a constant battle. Luke chapter 12 and verse 32. Let me just give you the essence of it. Do not fear, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. That's Luke 12, 32. It is your father's good pleasure to give the kingdom to you. You are a kingdom person. You've been translated into the kingdom of God's son. You've been made righteous. Your sins are forgiven forgiven and now it is his will to give you the kingdom in Matthew chapter 11 and verse 12 this is this is an interesting one probably want to take a look at this one and from the days of John the Baptist until now the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent Take it by force. So remember I just said we are in the kingdom, but we're in a constant battle. There's your word. It says since the beginning, since heaven was created for us, the kingdom of God suffers violence. There is a war going on in the kingdom. And the violent, which is us, we will take by force. We're not begging for permission for anything. We're not pretty pleased, can you, if you feel like it on a good day, maybe on Sunday. Can, no, we take by force. We take by force with the authority of God. We command our situation. He says, that's what I need. That's what it needs to be. Devil, you can take a slow walk off of a long plank. This is my command. I command this in the name. Are you hearing me this morning? I command this in the name of Jesus. Even crunchy commands. I command this in the name of Jesus. God wants to give us the kingdom. And yet the kingdom has to be taken by force. I wonder why it is we have to take the kingdom by force. I have a simple answer for you. Because someone wants to keep you from receiving it. That someone 
is the devil. That's why we have to take it by force. Because someone doesn't want you to have it. When you consider the time in which we live, it's a time unlike any since the day of John the Baptist. We're living in, 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 a, in, a, in a trying time. I mean, John, John lived between two dispensations, and I discussed that in previous messages, the dispensations of time. Uh, he lived between the, the, the dispensation of law and grace, the law of God and the grace of God. We, we live now in between two dispensations. We're taking up from that last one, grace, and the millennial reign. So we, we're in the dispensation of grace, where God's grace is upon us. But we are approaching the millennial reign where there will be the thousand year reign and all. So too involved to get into this morning, maybe at another time. But I think most of you know what I'm talking about. So we're between that grace and that millennial reign. Satan knows that he has a short time. So he's making a last stand against the church. And as a result, we're in battle. This is the desperate attempt of someone who is flailing, you know, that last gasp, that all-out push, that do or die, that, that everything on this, I'm throwing the kitchen sink at it. And so there's this serious battle that's taking place. It's, it's, it's a war that has nothing to do with terrorism, although in a larger sense, that's part of a big global plot where the enemy is trying to corrupt the world. Um, it's, 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 it's not the arms race. It's not relationship between world leaders. It's not what's taking place in the Middle East. Though those are indeed reflections of a real battle being waged between God and Satan, it's a spiritual war by nature that we're facing. Here's what Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12 has to say about the matter. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, and spiritual wickedness in high places. Do you get the contour of the battle, what we're wrestling against? We, 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 we're not wrestling against you and I. Not against flesh and blood, but about against spiritual principalities, powers, rulers, you know, area rulers, spirits that govern territories and dictate to those who are in darkness what direction the world should go. And then we're surrounded by those people and because of collateral damage in terms of being in proximity to evil, evil sometimes fall off on you. Let me explain that to you in, in a different context. In 1995, I was sitting at a restaurant in uh, Arlington, Texas. And right at that moment while I was there, there was a news flash thing. The, the Morrow Building, the Morrow Building in Oklahoma City, a place that I frequented almost every day when I lived in Oklahoma. You know the story, the bombing that went off and destroyed the building, took down the federal building. There were buildings across the street. There was a magnificent church that was probably built in the 18th century, right next door, Gothic, nice cathedral, just, just fantastic structure, pleasant to look at. It got damaged, the hotel down the street got damaged, it was about 100 yards away. 
We felt the quake were by we, the folks that I, that I church with in Oklahoma City, who was home at the time, they felt the earth shook. That's about three, four miles away. Making this story to, to let you, to bring forth a point. The, the intended target was the Moreau Federal Building. But the buildings across the street, innocent of any intent by the bomber, got damaged. What's my point? Evil affects us because of proximity to evil. You get me? Because of being close to evil. When evil happens, because of your proximity to evil, you may suffer collateral effects of the evil. Let me make this point a little bit better here. We are facing a pandemic. I don't know the origin and the source of the virus, but people are dropping sick and falling dead because of proximity to the virus. Are you getting me now? Yeah. Is it coming home to you a little bit clearer? We gotta make sure that we protect ourselves and we protect our environment because by the same principle of the spreading and the pandemic, one gives it to another, another gives it to another. By the same principle of purity, we can purify ourselves and therefore purify those around us. So use the same principle in spreading the good and the relief and, and, and the antidote by becoming spiritual people, by covering ourselves, by praying for your family, by laying on the oil, by putting the blood on the doorpost. Protect your house and with proximity to the next person's house, multiply the same effect and, and provide safety and shelter and security for a lot of people. So if we're going to, to prevail in this battle, there are some things we need to know. Number one, we need to know, this is my first point, number one, we need to know who the enemy is. Make sense? You can't fight something you don't know. You can't fix something you didn't diagnose. No who the enemy is. Who is the enemy? The devil. <laughs> That's who the real enemy is. We call him the devil, but in the beginning, it wasn't so. His name was Lucifer, and, and, and he, 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 he walked in the heavens. He was an archangel created to lead heaven's worship. Lucifer. Ezekiel chapter 28, verses 14 through 17 tells the story. He said that he was an, an anointed cherub that was upon the holy mount and walked up and down it and was perfect in all his ways until iniquity was found in him. Until inside him there was found iniquity. Because he was lifted up in his beauty and corrupted by the brightness of his own wisdom, he was cast out of heaven and into the earth. So at one time, he was the choir leader. He was the worship leader. But he got all mighty and puffed up. And in, him, in himself, he, 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 he rose up with self-importance and, and the wisdom of his own being. And God had to say, no, there's only one leader up here, and that's me. There's only one throne up here, and I am sitting on it. And whenever you think that you have ascended, it's time for you to be descended. And so he was kicked out 
of heaven. Jesus said in Luke chapter 10 and verse 18, what he says, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. That's when the discovery was made. When he rose up and felt that he was all that in a bag of chips, God says, out you go. And Jesus speaking to his disciples says, and I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Since then, we refer to him as the devil. Up until then, he was Lucifer. When he got cast out of heaven, then he became the devil. And so we have other names for him. You know, let's look at some. I'm going to just give you the, the scripture. Like I said, in the interest of time, I'm not going to go through and read everyone. But he has many names. In, in Isaiah chapter 14, okay, write this scripture down and I'll give you the keyword. In Isaiah chapter 14, verses 12 through 14, he is known as Lucifer. That was his time in heaven, his reign in heaven when he was choir worship, worship director and stuff. Isaiah 14, 12 through 14, he was Lucifer. In Revelation chapter 12 and 3, the operative word for him then was, he was the dragon. In Luke chapter 10, verse 18, and Revelation 12, 9, he was Satan. These are names that he go by. In 2 Corinthians 11 and verse 3, he was known as the serpent. In 1 Peter 5, 8, from where I got my text this morning, he is known as the adversary. First Peter 5, 8. In Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11, exhaustively, he was known there as the devil. And in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 16, he's known as the wicked one. So here are some of the names as I recap them. I gave you the scripture. Look it up on your own time. Lucifer, dragon, Satan, serpent, adversary, devil, the wicked one. Any of those names are names which he's clearly identified with in the scripture. He's often likened to as a lion seeking to devour whom he may, as we read in 1 Peter 5, 8 in my text uh, for this morning's message. He, 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 he's the lion uh, uh, in 2 Corinthians 11. He is, you know, um, the minister of of righteousness who comes to devise he comes in disguise to you know um pretending to be something else only with a clear twist to entrap you deceive and destroy you uh in uh, Matthew 13, 1 through 9, it talks about him as the fowl who seeks to steal the word that has been sown. You know, one of, the, one, one of the biggest tricks the enemy plays on a lot of us is that thing called procrastination. You know, um, in regular life we procrastinate and he uses a tool that we employ in our daily lives because we're not diligent sometimes. And he, he, a good word comes forth 
and an, an, an offer and an invitation is made for you to respond. And the devil comes and sits right next to us and he says, man, that was a good word. That, man, that was, there wasn't more, more truth ever preached from that pulpit than today. That was an excellent word. But you don't have to do anything about it right now. There'll be time later on this evening where you could get alone and make a decision and pray and pursue that end that pastor is talking about. And so he agrees with the word. Look how cunning and crafty that is. I mean, it's not like someone say, no, don't believe it. He's lying. He doesn't know the truth. Word ain't in him. He said, no, that's, that's truth. That, that was truth. Truth as you, you, you could ever get. Truth. But you got to, you know, you got all evening. You got all month. Maybe next Sunday. You know. You don't have to do it right now. Have you ever noticed that? There's a lot of stuff that God prompts you by the Spirit to do, and the devil simply tells you, you don't have to do it right now. Procrastination, a tool of the devil. He comes as an angel of light. And, and in John 10, 12, he says, he's a wolf in sheep's clothing. Get that? He's a wolf in sheep's clothing. So, you're thinking it's a sheep, but it's a sheep in disguise. It's got wolf clothing on it. <laughs> and when you're expecting to hear him go, woof, woof, you go, meh, or however a sheep goes. <laughs> that wasn't supposed to be funny, that's just sheep, wolf. <laughs> okay. He is a tempter. This is what he does. Okay, more scripture for you. He is a tempter, Matthew 4, 3, which is he's the source of all temptation. He is a destroyer, Psalm 17, verse 4. He brings destruction to all that is good. He is a liar and a murderer, John 8, 44. He lies only to kill you. He's a thief and a robber, John 10, 10. The thief come up to steal and to kill and destroy he is God of this world, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. By that it means he's blinded the minds of them that believe not. God of this world. Revelation 12, 9. He's a deceiver. His kingdom is built on lies and deception. He's an accuser. Job chapter 1, verse 6. Chapter 2, verse 7, he's the master of guilt and condemnation. He is an accuser. And who is he? Huh? <laughs> he is the devil. And, and as devil, what is he? He is your adversary. Back to my text. Be sober. 1 Peter 5, 8. Be sober. In other words, be serious about this moment. Be vigilant. In other words, be alert and on God because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. You ever see those nature shows on the Serengeti in Africa and stuff where those wildebeests and those ferocious attack animals, lions sometimes and different ones, uh, prey on other animals? Did you, have you ever noticed by watching them, there's a specific strategy by which they take down their prey? They always stalk them, right? The lion is stalking the pack of hyenas or gazelle, and he's stalking them, and he's, you know, being in his predatory mode. And 
and, and he's kind of just waiting. One of those guys in that pack going to kind of get lazy and drift off on his own. Yeah, I'll catch up with you. And, and he's just kind of drifting off there. And as soon as he leaves the tightness of the pack, that lion pounces on him, unbeknownst to the rest. Sometimes they don't even look around or turn back. And he shreds him to pieces. He makes shredded meat out of him. Why? He is going about seeking to devour the vulnerable. That's how you should read that scripture. He's roaring, going about, seeking the guy who is, I don't need to be with them. I can walk on my own. I got this together. I know the way home. And the minute that, lie, that gazelle slips from the pack, he's taken down. The scripture is so clear and so pictorial in this. He says he's roaring like a lion, walking about, seeking whom he may devour. He's looking for the vulnerable who feels self-sufficient or feel like I don't need to pray or I got this, uh, I'm okay with where I'm at. No, this guy is waiting for you to say that. He's waiting for you to develop that attitude and then he pounces. He isn't just an adversary, he's your adversary. He isn't just an enemy, he's our enemy. Your enemy, mine, he isn't just a liar. He's the one that's lying to us. He isn't just a thief. He's the one who desires to rip you off. It's a constant program to rip you off. He isn't just a murderer. He is the one who's trying to kill us. So, we kind of get a sense of who he is. Let's secondly now know how he operates point number two we need to know how he operates one he operates through the flesh our sinful human carnal nature that's bent away from god we were born with it and yet it's our constant enemy it's a law according to Romans chapter 27 verses 22 and 23. It says that it's a law inside our members warring against the law of our mind trying to bring us into captivity to the law of sin. That's Romans 7, 22 and 23. It's something inside of me. We talked about it a little bit last week. There's this principle inside of us that I know I want to do right why do I keep doing wrong? The thing that I want to do, I'm not doing. And the thing I shouldn't do, that I find myself doing. What is Paul crowd? He said, there's this war raging inside me. Trying to bring me into captivity and cause me to sin. It's enmity against God. Uh, for it is not subject to the law of God. Romans 8, 7. Galatians 5, 7, he says, it lusted against the spirit and is contrary to it. This principle is contrary to the spirit. It doesn't want to do spirit things. It wants to do flesh things. Okay? So let's, let's watch how he operates. He operates in the flesh. He also operates in the world. The spirit, force, power that move contrary to and against God. 1 John chapter 2 Verses 15 and 16 puts it this way. The world with all its pollution and corruption and cares and lust, fashion, wisdom is against us. 
Though we are called out, we still live and struggle with the power and influence of its pull. Every day we awake, we rise and walk onto the battlefield and fight and struggle the world head on. Every day it's a battlefield. I've never seen the devil got online and booked a holiday, a vacation through orbits or Expedia or anything. He never takes time off. He is on the job. He is energized for the job. He's on the job. Three. All right. So we need to know how he operates. He operates in the flesh and in the world. Third point. We need to know what he wants. We need to know what he wants. You need to know what he wants. I need to constantly remind myself of what he wants. He wants to keep us out of the kingdom. Remember, the kingdom is the Christian life. The kingdom is what God's promised us. The kingdom is what we have to fight for. The kingdom suffers violent. The violent take it by force. What does he want? He wants to take me out of the kingdom. The very thing God establishes his purpose for in redemption to reconnect and reconcile me unto him, the very thing that God has called me to, that's the one thing the enemy don't want me to have. He wants to take me out of the kingdom. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 and 4 puts it this way. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world had blinded the minds of them which believe not. Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ shall shine unto them. He wants to keep us blind. He wants to keep us in the dark. He wants to keep us not having the knowledge of the truth, of the way of God. He's trying to get us out of the kingdom. You got that? What is he trying to get us out of? out of the kingdom he wants to take us out of the kingdom he doesn't want us to come to a full salvation experience he don't want you to know the fullness of the power of the spirit and how to walk in that anointing that power no anything that would detract and defraud and pull away from that that's what he wants right why is it so hard for some of us to stay in simply because he wants uh, to keep us from having the abundant life. John 10, 10, we've quoted it before, I'll quote it again. The thief cometh not but for to steal, kill, and destroy. I am come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. That's what he wants. Kill, steal, destroy that's the threefold ministry of the devil God's ministry is I'm come that you might have life and that you might have that life more abundantly the devil says I want to steal I want to kill and I want to destroy the potential of you ever getting there that's what he wants that's what he wants. it's not your neighbor it's not your spouse it's not your best friend it's the devil 
Yes, he might manipulate like a puppet people to cause them to act in certain ways. But at the end of the day, the devil is who is trying to kill you and steal from you and destroy you. He's trying to take away abundant life, full, overflowing, lavish, lush, profuse, more than enough kind of life. I want the abundant life. I don't just want to get by. Hmm? Anybody else want to join me? I don't want to just get by. I don't want to just go along to get along. I don't want to get by. I want to be triumph triumphant. I don't want to kind of crawl in like military crawl into heaven. I want to walk in. I want to pull my chest back and stand like Superman or like a champion. <laughs> I want to stand like a champion. <laughs> I want to walk in there like this is my land. I earned this. Look at my stripes. Look at the blood. He wants to keep me from eternal life. He has one plan and one plan only, and that is to see us meet the same fate that he got himself. He does not want us to be fully saved. Since you're in this war, you ought to fight to win. It's well within your reach. Last week I told you, uh, wherever you set your aim, I hope your fight is matching where you set your aim. Uh, I want to repeat that in case you didn't hear it last week. Wherever you set your goal in terms of excellence, your fight needs to match your goal. You can't set your goal here and fight at this level. As we say in the neighborhood, devil open a can on you. <laughs> And I don't need to explain that much more further than that. But wherever you set your goal, let your fight match your goal. Fight. Wherever you want to be in Christ Jesus, match that by a fight like you're fighting for your life. Because you are. First Timothy chapter 6 verse 12 says, fight the good fight of faith. Eh? First Timothy, First Timothy chapter 6 verse 12. Fight the good fight. Let this thing match up. Put on a good fight. A good fight of faith. 1 Timothy 6.12 Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold of the eternal life. And so on and so forth. 2 Timothy chapter 4 verse 7 Here's what he says. Kind of looking back as he looked back. 2 Timothy 4.7 says I have fought the good fight. Mm, don't you want to say that? Fight the good fight and then come back and say, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Oh my goodness. Somebody say amen. That's the fight you need. I, 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 I've done it. I fought. I really fought. I scratched and I scrum. I ripped my fingernails off till it bled. But I kept on fighting because it was a good fight. It was a good fight. And I'm not about to lose. Amen. You hear me? I'm not about to lose. So I'm going to fight a good fight. I've made up my mind. I'm not going to lose my soul to the devil. I'm not going to do that. That's not up for debate. No, there ain't no questioning here. There's no second guessing here. There's no compromising. Let's talk about this. I have made up my mind. 
I am firm in this. I'm not going to lose my soul to the devil. Nothing shall separate me from the love of God. Come what may, I am firm, I am steadfast, I am planted. Nothing. Let me hear you say it. Nothing. Nothing. Who shall separate us from the love of God? Neither tribulation, nor persecution, nor death, nor famine, nor things present, nor things to come. Nothing shall separate me from the love of God. My mind's made up. I won't turn back. I'm going to meet my Savior. Come on, somebody. Get excited. Make up your mind. Be radical about it. I'm not turning back okay four my fourth point we need to know what the enemy cannot do ah number one he cannot penetrate the blood can i get a witness Amen. he cannot penetrate the blood the only currency that still lives in the earth today that has the absolute power above every other power is the blood of Jesus Christ. And you cannot penetrate the blood of Jesus Christ. So it stands to reason in your fiercest battle when you have no words and you can't think of what to say. Just sit there and plant both legs and say, I plead the blood of Jesus Christ. I plead the blood of Jesus Christ. When nothing works, when the devil is knocking on your door, when things are going crazy, when stuff is happening in the middle of the night and you're lost for words, lost for thoughts, this is a place you can anchor down with a firm resolve. I plead the blood of Jesus Christ. Nothing, nothing but the blood. The blood will never lose his power. It still rises in the earth today. I still splash around in the blood. It's that giant swimming pool that drowns every vomit, critter, and the devil. Once he gets into the blood, he strangles to death. I plead the blood of Jesus Christ. God's big giant swimming pool. The blood of Jesus Christ. He can't penetrate the blood. In Exodus chapter 14, which is what I sent out to you this morning in a text, those of you who receive it, that text, the only place the death angel couldn't go from Old Testament times, that was, that was the blood of the, the bulls and goats and stuff like that. In the Old Testament, the only place when the death angel was visiting to, to wreak havoc for the sin of the people, and their stiff neckedness. The only place the dead angel could not go was a house that had the blood on the doorpost. Are you feeling me this morning? He cannot penetrate the blood. They were spared. There was a curse to kill all the firstborn children. They could not because the blood was applied to the doorpost. He cannot penetrate where the blood is. And then Jesus came and he replaced the blood of bullocks and the blood of lambs and rams and turtle doves and every other thing that they sacrificed. And then his blood became the final payment 
the ultimate price, the sacrifice. It's like Jesus just cashed in on all the currency in all the world. He turned the skies into currency and the sea into currency and he had more money than anybody. He had money like only God could have and he says, I'm paying for this. And he was making it rain to use our young people's stuff. He was making it rain with the blood of Jesus Christ. The blood of Jesus Christ. And once he applied that blood, he says, I got you covered. Whatever it is that you owed, whatever the devil held you in ransom to, whatever blackmail he had you under, whatever he was manipulating and twisting you, I'm about to pay it off with my blood. Can I get a witness? I'm about to pay it off. The blood will never lose its power. He cannot penetrate the blood. Revelation 12, 11 says it this way. They overcame him, the devil, himself, by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. So let me put those two things together. Let me put it together. They overcame by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. So they applied the blood and they said in simple words, I am covered in the blood. <laughs> and the blood will never lose its power. That's the word of my testimony. I'm a blood-bought, Holy Ghost baptized, sanctified through the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. And the, the blood of Jesus Christ makes it all possible. That's the word of my testimony. Satan, you can't take me down. <laughs> I win. Even if I die, I win. Do you hear me? Even if I die, I win. Revelation 12, 11. Second thing he can't take. He can't harm you if you put on the whole armor of God. Right? One, he couldn't penetrate the blood. Two, he can't harm you if you put on the whole armor of God. You never think about leaving your house without putting on clothes. Right? Anybody thought about coming here naked this morning? <laughs> Thank you so much, all of you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I couldn't handle the trauma. You never, you never think about leaving your home without putting on clothes. You should never leave without putting on your armor. Just as it is naked to go out in public, it is naked to go out in the spirit world without putting on your whole armor. By putting on the armor, we're choosing to have authority in the spirit realm. Three, he can't read your mind. He's limited in what he knows. Yet while he can't read your mind, he can understand your words. Mm -mm -mm. Therefore, I'm going to pray in tongues more. Because it's an unknown language that God gives interpretation for. And so when I pray in tongues, I am devoid of my own understanding about what I'm saying. Mm. If I don't even know what I'm saying, you can't figure out what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm saying and speaking a language that God alone understands. When I'm praying in tongues, God's like, yes, bring it, bring it. I don't know what I'm saying, but God understands. Devil can't. He can only understand what you say. Therefore, you should guard what you say. Amen. Oh, yeah. He can't read your mind. Words are powerful in the spirit land. So don't speak doubt and fear, discouragement. That gives the enemy access to your life. 
If you sit around thinking about, I just sorry because I'm not going to go. <laughs> the devil just assigned a few guys to make sure you stay right there in that position. You claim how depressed and broken down you are and all that. And you go like, guys, y'all were just chilling today. Here's what that child of God just said. He says he can't break this thing. Let's make sure he doesn't. He will use your words. And he'll keep you afflicted and in that place locked in. He can't read your mind. What comes out of your mouth not only activates God, it activates the devil. Oh, come on, saints of God. Hear me well. What comes out of your mouth activates God. By the same token, it activates the devil. So if you start talking praise and thanks and hallelujah, you are activating God. I raise a hallelujah. God says, okay, angels, go down there. Make sure that happens. <laughs> you say something else, the devil takes and says, make sure that happens. If you say it, he'll make it happen. God will or the devil will say good stuff say good stuff Hebrews chapter 10 verse 15 simply says it this way by him therefore let us offer the sacrifice of praise hmm? and in Revelation 12 11, again for emphasis we read it early on we are going to overcome him not only by the blood of the lamb but by the word of our testimony, what's coming out of your mouth? What's coming out of your mouth this morning, saints? Are you berating, criticizing, condemning, cussing, fussing, saying prayers to the devil? What's coming out of your mouth? God, what you see. For he can't keep you from reaping a good harvest. He can't. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 7 says it equally good. It says, whatever a man sows, that he shall also reap. The same principle of speaking applies to the principle of reaping and sowing, right? So Galatians says, whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. You know, so if you're so good, you will reap good. If you're so bad... You will reap bad. You don't plant corn and come back and find an apple tree sprouting up from there. You plant corn, corn will grow. You plant orange, I went to go. Whatever a man sows, that will he reap. If you're so good, you will reap good. If you're so bad, you will reap whatever you put in the soil. The soil listen, you heard it a thousand times from this pulpit. The soil does not discriminate. What you put in it will germinate. Oh, I need to, that's a good song. <laughs> you catch that? <laughs> what did I just say? The soil doesn't discriminate. Whatever you put in it will germinate. Whatever you put in it will germinate. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> it doesn't discriminate. Put it in, it'll germinate it. It will make it grow. There's always an interval between planting and harvest. It is during that time that our faith is tested. When we put that seed in the ground, and then we gotta wait to see what springs up. But that's the nature of the beast. That's God's plan. It teaches us a lot of stuff when we're waiting to see that thing break the ground, right? Patience, attentiveness, water it, protect it. Whatever you have to do when you put that seed in the ground to give it a fighting chance, that is the period of faith. That you've put all you can put and done all you can do and now let God cause it to spring forth. That's when your feet is tested. Fifth, and I'm close to the end here. 
He can't stop. Well, yeah. He can't stop God's ultimate purpose from coming to pass. What is it that he can't stop? He can't stop the church from prevailing. He can't stop Jesus from coming again. He can't stop his final destiny of destruction. He can't stop God's will being done in your life. How big is the devil to you? Is he as big as God? I think I got a no there. Most of us give him far more much to credit. God and the devil aren't equals. God is omnipresent while the devil is limited to time and space. Prince of the power there. Right? God is omnipotent. He's, he is all-powerful. But the only power that the devil has is what we give him sometimes with our speech and with our words. That's the only power he has. God is omniscient. He knows all. While the devil knows what God tells him or what we tell him, he can't be like God. He's not omniscient. God is the creator. The devil is only a part of the creation. Jesus said, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the ending, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty, Revelation 1, 8. 118, same chapter. I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I'm alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of hell and of death. Listen, if you're still living in sin, then you're fighting an enemy that's bigger than you. But if you're not, then I leave you with 1 John chapter 4, verse 4. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. And I'm done like and like Flynn, I'm done. No. <laughs> yes, I am. Oh, yeah, I'm done like in like Oh, yeah, I got some time there. Yeah, I'm done. <laughs> we'll get back to that. The devil, your adversary, the devil, your adversary, roaming about like a lion, seeking to devour those whom he may. Don't make yourself vulnerable. Stay with the pack. Stay tight. Stay connected. Apply the blood. Put it over your house. I just put it over your house this morning. I put the blood on the doorpost. I put it on you. I put it on you. I have offered to you what God offered to me. Protect the sheep. Protect the flock. This is the method I know. And I followed God in principle from early in the wee hours of this morning when he said to me, anoint every one of them, put the blood on their doorposts, offer them my divine protection plan. Let them walk in my covering, my safety, my protection. Now you turn around, having received the anointing and the blessing of the blood posted on the doorpost, and go share that blood with somebody else that you love and care for. Find the rest of your family today and slap that on with the oil. Boom. Cover them. 
because we are in a perilous time. We are in a pandemic time. And I don't want any of you all to be walking around in fear and oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Be wise. Take precaution. Clean your hands. Do stuff. Okay? Protect yourself. But don't go into social distancing and isolation. You're walking in the power. Can I get away? You're walking in the power. Say it with me. That's right. They overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. What is your word of testimony this morning? I am walking in the power.